Welcome to the Career Growth Podcast, where we discuss how university students and graduates can break into the job market and develop their careers. Let's get started with your hosts, Lucy, Vinay, and Julia. Hello, and welcome back to the Career Growth Podcast, where we dive a bit deeper into a variety of industries and provide you with all the juicy info into what it means into working into some of the biggest fields and how to get your foot through the door. I am your host, Julia, followed by my two loving co-hosts, Panay and Lucy. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> welcome back, guys. How's everything been treating you? Great. It's a nice sunny day here in London, and it's great to see that we will have some good weather this weekend. Agreed. Which I'm sure Lucy will appreciate. Oh, yes. So I'm in Bath for the weekend. And this is where people say, you say Bath, not Bath. But yes, Bath. That's the Birmingham way of saying it. And I'm craving a lot of cocktails. So that's all thanks to the weather, I think. Looking forward to what the the weekend brings. (laughs) It's happy hour somewhere in the world, right? It's got to be. It's happy hour every hour in my world. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great. I actually found out the other day there, you know how there's a coffee machine where you can do like the automatic little pods and it just brews your coffee. Someone has invented one for coffee. We had that in our office for two years. Okay. Most listeners don't know. So the ones where you can little K-pods and stuff, they have one for cocktails. So you can just put the little thing in and it just makes a Paloma for you like whenever you want. (laughs) That's amazing, but it's also really dangerous. Yeah. But I like that. Whoever created that, well done. Except if you have like both of them right next to each other, like a coffee machine and like the cocktail one, and it's like nine in the morning, or it's like, mm, I'm filling a margarita over like a latte. We always had drinks at our office, but no one ever drank it, which is quite weird. We didn't have an automatic machine. We're too busy. If now we had one that we just have to push a button, I'm sure we would have had it more. We'll get one of those. We'll get one of those. <laughs> cool. Shall we get straight into it? You're listening to the Career Growth Podcast. Do you have a question for one of our hosts? Send us an email at thecgpodcast at capital-placement.com. So this week, I want to talk about something that's pretty near and dear to my heart and your hearts and everyone's heart on this podcast. It's a topic we've been having outside this podcast, and it's about interviewing. Oh, I like this topic. I do this for a living. I was going to say, we're with the expert here on this one. Yeah, I mean, he does have many years in the field, so and probably more than Lucy and I have been alive. So. Oh, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. I wish this was a YouTube channel, not a podcast. Yeah, we're going to convince people that you are 70. I am 70 going 71. 70 at heart. Closer to 80, I think. <laughs> I chose this topic because it's something I think a lot of people struggle with, and not just like young graduates and students, but I think people who are even in the field now and like interviewing for positions that are a bit higher. And really, interviewing is not a lot of fun, but I think it's an important skill set to know how to interview well, just because it can benefit you into getting into next round of interviews, it can help you get the next position. And it's also just one of those skills that can take you to a lot of places. I think it's incredibly nerve wracking. I think you can be as confident as you feel, but obviously when you prepare, but when it actually gets down to the interview, I know for a fact that I crumble even though obviously I've prepared loads. But it's obviously fundamental for organisations and it's incredibly rewarding for your success and personal development as well down the line. So it's about getting that kind of balance and how you actually get over the hurdle of the nerves and actually turn it into a bit of a skill. Let's be honest, almost everyone has a love-hate relationship with interviews. 
you see a job vacancy, you have all the skills and qualifications mentioned in the job description. The company sounds great and you know you'll be a good fit for the job. And you realize you have to convince all of this to the company through an interview. This is where the problem begins for a lot of candidates, but don't worry, you're not alone. We'll go through quite a few interview tips and guides through throughout this podcast that will potentially help you. Why is knowing about, or rather knowing how to interview well, why is it so important? It's the opportunity for you and the potential employer to gouge if you are a good fit for each other. And for a lot of companies, an interview is the most efficient way to do this. If you do it well, you could receive a lot of job offers. Do it badly and you may struggle to get an offer even if you're the most qualified candidate on paper. I agree. And it's basically selling yourself as well, or as an employer, your company to the other person. So I think actually the as much as it's nervous for the person on the other end, for the employer as well, it's also such a high pressured kind of thing that you have to go through because ultimately you need to prove yourself as a company and you need to get the best, the best people on board. Obviously, so many people apply for so many different jobs because you can't obviously always rely on that one job interview that you're going for. So it's kind of a bit of a game, really. Um, you need to stand out as the best employer as well out of probably quite a large pool of employers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as an interviewer, I've always been nervous if I'm doing the, doing the interview for somebody. And I've always been nervous when I'm the person being interviewed. It's just basically nerves on both sides. I kind of like to think of it like dating. So you're trying to get to know each other and find out if you're compatible, basically. I agree. It's exactly like dating. And I can say, obviously, from my point, um, it's quite quite a roller coaster of a journey. (laughs) It has many ups and downs, probably more downs on my side. But you feel like you kind of want to give up a lot. I always say, just trust your journey, keep pushing. And it kind of works out as if it was meant to be. So never look on a kind of a job rejection and think, you know, oh, that's it. I can never move on as a date. You know, never think that you can ever move on from someone. You've got to keep going and just kind of make yourself a stronger person. Building on the analogy of dating, you can also use the interview as a way to ask questions and assess if the company's a good fit for you. Let's not forget that interviews there for your benefit as well. For me personally, I like to do interviews more like a casual conversation. And there's nothing more boring than an interview where the candidate does not have any questions for me. So make sure you do have your questions prepared before your interview. And I'm sure we're going to talk about um, interview questions in a, in a second. And over the course of the interview, you should, as a candidate, be asking yourself a few questions. And some of the main ones are, what career growth opportunities do they have for you here? So these are things that an interviewer should really cover during that interview. Some of the other questions you should be asking yourself are things like, what's the company culture here like? Will you fit in there? And as much as, as much as you're selling yourself, they should be doing the same thing as well. They want you to believe that they're the best company out there, same as you're trying to convince them you're the best ca- candidate for them and for this particular vacancy. This is a skill. Interviewing well is an absolute skill and it can be mastered. I'm sure we'll have some great tips for you on how to be a great interviewee in a second. Yeah. Thanks for breaking down some of the questions that they should be asking. What are some other things that you suggest people do once they plan the interview? So there are three key things you need to do before an interview. Research, research, and even more research. You need to spend at least a couple of hours learning about what they do as a business, how they work as a business. This is so important. Not enough interviews know what 
their business model is or how the business makes their money. So it's really important to understand that, what their unique selling point is and what makes them stand out compared to their competitors. A really good example would be if we choose one of the big four, what's the difference between KPMG and EY or PwC and Deloitte? You should know this before you go into an interview. So do take the time to do your research. Some of the things that potentially you should be asking yourself later down your research, or at least before you go into an interview, should be things like what their values are, and perhaps most importantly, do they align with yours? One of the things that I recommend all my candidates to do is read every single page on the company's website to in order to help them prepare for the interview. And you'll be surprised how much you can learn. Some of the pages on the website that probably are not the most attractive or not really meant for a lot of people to see, but you can pick up a lot of things from those pages. So highly recommend just going through every single page on the company's website before an interview. Adding on that as well, definitely check out all the social media accounts. It's so interesting as well. And it's, it's so important to just kind of get a gauge of their tone and see whether you can kind of align with that tone as well for example what is their personality like on Instagram you know you have to kind of every time you go into an interview think what can I do to really impress them you know how do they sell themselves as a brand um, or as an organization what are their values and what are they kind of portraying to to their customers on a social scene as well and really look at like their LinkedIn as well that's so important to see how they kind of speak in a more formal tone I'd say out of the social media channels yeah I mean it's a really good point to bring up LinkedIn and while you're on LinkedIn you need to also see and kind of research your interviewer for instance if you don't know who your interviewer is you could potentially I would say potentially call or email ask who would be interviewing but if you do know who your interviewer interviewer is or if there's multiple of them spend some time finding out if they're like a key player in the company also looking to see if they were in the original position they are in now because that might be a really good question to ask at the end of the, in, at the, end of the interview, um, asking about their career progression and saying something along the lines of, oh, I saw you started out as just a social media assistant. Can I ask how did you progress into a social media manager? And whatever the, the case, do a little bit of stalking and just find out who they are and what their role is in the company. Just don't follow them home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, be sure to prepare some good questions during or at the end of the interview. Because it's very important for you to ask questions. It's always a red flag for me when someone I'm interviewing do not have any questions or have very basic questions that they could have really got the answers from the careers page or from our homepage. So make sure you do have some really good questions. They are so important. It also helps break the ice in some of the interviews where there could be awkward silences. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you are asking questions that could be answered on the page, it's pretty much showing that you didn't really do your research. Or if you did do your research, you didn't do your research well. That's kind of like a bad check mark against you, even though you probably had like the best interview beforehand. Ending on that note, we'll leave a bad taste in their mouth. So I recommend at least three follow-up questions. I follow this career coach. I believe her name is Cassie Thompson. And she always suggested having three questions. So like one question would be more towards cultural fit. The other is more of a reflection of how you are already thinking about being successful in the position. And then the last one is like a way to connect with your interviewer. So like I said earlier, looking into seeing if they had um, started in the same position than the one now, that's a good question to use as far as connecting with the interviewer. Send an email before the interview, letting them know that you are excited for the interview and you look forward to meeting them soon. It's such a small thing, but it makes such a big difference and it sets a really good and positive impression before the interview even starts. 
No, I agree. It's really personable and I think it's really respected as well by the employer. Never think that, you know, you never want to look back and think, oh, I should have done that. Just just do it and I'm sure it will give you a good response. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And if you're kind of quiet, like fake it till you make it. Pretend to be excited. If you're not excited about the interview, you should probably ask yourself why you're even applying, to be honest. It's a top tip. <laughs> You should be excited to go into an interview. You really would want that job. With a range of opportunities out there, you really don't have to settle for a job. In general, you really should be excited about an opportunity to work in that company. And you should see that as progress as opposed to taking a step back when you're applying for a job. So you naturally, you should be excited if you're not. Ask yourself why, why you're applying to that opportunity. Yeah, I feel like interviewers can sniff it out too, kind of like dogs. Yeah. In the first two minutes, you could tell whether someone's really keen or not on the opportunity. Well, it kind of leads me into the next topic, um, things you should be doing in your interview. So, Vinay, you've obviously interviewed a lot of people. And I mean by a lot, I mean a lot. So what is it that you typically look for from a candidate? There are some common trends. So things like, did they show up on time? If they showed up on time, how early did they show up? Uh, were they listening to my qu- questions fully before responding to me? Or where they interrupted my questions and assuming they knew what I was going to ask and then eventually give me the wrong answer. Do they seem engaged? It's such a basic thing. It's about going back to a previous point about being enthusiastic about the job that you applied for. It is very easy for an interviewer to see whether you're engaged. And often if you're not engaged, it usually means you're not really excited for that job. And that's usually a red flag. Do you look into more like specific things of the CV? So do you look into more kind of formal like things? So these are things that I just realized that were more kind of subconscious, but most consciously what I look at are things like, when I look at a CV, obviously we invite them for an interview because it looks great. And one of the first things I look at is, do they live up to their CV? There's a fine line between selling yourself and exaggerating. And a good interviewer will know which side you sit on within a few minutes. And you definitely don't want to be in the latter. Some of the other things I look at are, do they have necessarily hard and soft skills for this job? And I think so many candidates try and portray soft skills on their CV. But again, it's one of those things that usually comes across in an interview. And given we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic, one of the kind of key skills I look at is, uh, are they a good communicator? It's such an important skill now. So when I talk about communication, what I mean is, can they communicate effectively? How do they articulate their answers? Do they need five minutes to explain their answer when it could really be summarized in probably less than 20 seconds? Are they proactive? So going back to a previous point about, do they send me an email before an interview saying they're looking forward to this? Do they send me an email after the interview saying, thank you for taking the time to speak to me, et cetera. So these are kind of things that I look at. And the other kind of key point that I look at is, is this someone that can come in on day one and can get started? Or will it? Or is this someone that has the potential but requires a lot of additional training and support? We've taken on people that have really good potential, but they're not the finished product. And also we've taken on people that were the finished product and did not require much skills or training. It, but it's one of those things that I do pay attention to during an interview. And I'm sure most interviewers do pay attention to these three points. But these are just some, there's a lot more that we'll discuss. That's a really good point, actually, that you you mentioned about listening, because I actually think it's it's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, obviously candidates they'll spend the time kind of letting the interviewer explain the question but then they might interrupt them or just assume what what they're going to ask them and it can really make you kind of appear inconsiderate and it can leave like a bit of a bad taste in the employer's mouth as well and um, it's kind of showing that you're not really 
showing much attention to detail and you're not willing to to listen it's a quite a simple issue but I think a lot of people do actually struggle with that exactly um interviewers really appreciate candidates who actually listen carefully before responding to our questions rather than someone who doesn't really listen to a question fully half assuming that they know and getting it wrong this is not something that people do consciously sometimes you are excited to give an answer but often it might not necessarily be the question that the interviewer had in mind so please do listen carefully and i always appreciate candidates who often take a second or two to just to compose their answers in their head and then give it give me an answer as opposed to someone who interrupts me and even if the answer is great it's not the best impression that you'll set if you do interrupt your interviewer this is not even a skill to be honest this is just basic life skill because we all know someone who always interrupts us while speaking and i'm sure you're you're not thinking how annoying they are again just kind of take a second just compose your answer and just make sure you let your interviewer finish their question and it goes a long way to creating an impression kind of another point to touch on is the quality of your answers i didn't actually think about this myself when i was in interviews but it's when i started doing was the interviewer and that's when i started to pick up that i what they responded to me was just as important than waiting to see if they interrupted me or not uh, because they used to drive me nuts when i would ask them a certain question do you have relevant experience in our industry and their answer would just be yes and then there's an awkward like pause and you're just like well do you want to tell me what your relevant experience is or am i going to have to read your mind so <laughs> it was always kind of annoying for me so that's kind of my advice to young graduates and students on any of our listeners is to elaborate on what your answer is give more detail about your experience or be or talk about that specific project that you've been working on or how it connects to the answer but going back to a point that Benay mentioned earlier just make sure you're not talking for 25 minutes about the same thing make your point and move on, move on you know this is something that a lot of candidates struggle with when it comes down to kind of structuring or articulating their answer there is a style method to giving answers and we have elaborated on this in our blog this week But Julia, do you mind giving a brief idea as to what this method is and what it entails? So it's basically a way for you to structure your answers. You use them a lot for questions filling out a job application. The S stands for a situation, so you're pretty much directly explaining the situation that you you were in. The T stands for task, so it tells you what tasks you're going to do in order to address the situation. A stands for action. So what actions did you take once you've made that task to fix the situation? And then R are the results. So you go into explaining what the results were of your actions. Gives you kind of like a what, when, how, who type of situation. It helps you get to all the juicy and relevant information in your answer. Absolutely. I think it's something that you can kind of keep in your head and often it gives you a structure to your answers which is quite important. And if you do that consistently, an interviewer will pick up on that and that's always a good positive sign for an interviewer when answers of an interviewee is pretty well structured. Yeah, and I think another important thing to do during an interview is just to consider your tone. You want to sound factual but not monotone, and it may make you seem very uninterested in the position and quite a bad cultural fit. So I think it's best to sound factual but also interested and upbeat. You know, doing so shows your personality, your knowledge in the field, and overall gives you what we like to call a positive vibe. And it just leaves a bit more of an impression then you're kind of always going to be remembered because of a personality really rather than just a couple of scripted answers. Lucy, why do you think cultural fit is important? I think it's really important that 
ultimately you have to get on with your team. Um, you need to glue with your peers and kind of make sure that you you have the personalities to not only get on and make work enjoyable, but to support each other through kind of bad days and just make sure that you can work together and also have a good time. I think there's a lot of formality in a lot of workplaces where you obviously, you can have a great bunch of people with great skills. um, But if you don't all agree and like, you know, and have like a personality to kind of relax and see the bright side of work, I think that's when there's a lot of issues And I really think, yeah, there's, you know, obviously there's different cultures and different workplaces and you might not always fit into everyone. But I think it's really important that you do find one that you can fit into. I agree. To me, what a company culture means is the shared values, goals and attitudes of everyone working here. Um, We all need to ensure that we're kind of working towards the same thing and we all gel together, which is something that Lucy touched upon. Ultimately, if you are coming into the company or as an interviewee, you should know what the company culture is like and whether you fit in there. And that's really important both to you and the interviewer to make sure that you both fit into the company culture. You're listening to the Career Growth Podcast. Do you have a question for one of our hosts? Send us an email at thecgpodcast at capital-placement.com. All right. So now that we have walked through what you should be doing during the interview, uh, what you should be doing when they're asking you questions, let's talk about what you should be doing towards the end of it. So I know we touched on this earlier, but I think we should give our audience a little bit of role play into what it would look like. So first I came in with three questions. However, you guys, well, my interviewers have already answered one of my questions. No worries. I still have two questions left. So let's give an example of what this looks like. Lucy, Vinay, you can pretend to be my interviewer so we can give our listeners kind of an inside scoop of what it may look like for their own interview. Sure. So do you have any questions you'd like to ask us? Yes, actually, I do have a few questions I'd like to ask you. What does a typical work week look like here in this department? Okay, so a typical week includes regular meetings where we discuss campaigns and brand strategy and how we will spend the week bringing the client brief to life. We will work closely with different teams as well to ensure communication is effective throughout the department and obviously to avoid making fatal mistakes that could cost us a lot of time and ultimately our clients, which is obviously the base and the foundation of our business. We always also take the time to to get to know each other as an individual and we want to spend time away from the work environment just to catch up on life events and other other things um, and we usually do this by kind of like team lunches or or drinks which always obviously gets people out of their shells. Wow that's amazing that you spend so much time ensuring that the work is done well and I really like that you have team lunches and even more so you have happy hour. Which is a fundamental aspect of the business. I agree <laughs> I agree. Do you have any more questions for us? Yes actually Vinay I wanted to ask you what is it that you would like from someone in this position to accomplish in the first 90 days? That's a great question. Typically, I like to break this down into 30, 60, and 90 days. In the first 30 days, the priority is onboarding the candidate properly. So ensure that if you want to be successful in the first 30 days, you're fully onboarded, you understand the tools that we use. And uh, perhaps more importantly, it's about getting to know everyone in in your team and uh, knowing what what individual skill sets are, what they do, who you can go to to get solutions for your problems. And then once we start getting to the 60-day mark, 
obviously it does come with a lot more responsibility. And as you get closer to the 90-day mark, we expect you to be fully integrated into the team and be a key member that we can't do without. Thank you for breaking that down for me and making it easy for me to understand what you would like me to do in the first 30, 60, 90 days to be successful. I really like these questions, Julia, because uh, the first one you asked is about your culture fit into that organization. I think another question to ask in that same area is, what does it mean to be a culture fit here? Uh, This sometimes throws off a lot of interviewers, and obviously that shouldn't be your intention, but it gives you a very good idea if the interviewer can kind of articulate what their culture is like, and that's always a good sign, because that often means that it's something that they are aware of and kind of works quite hard on. So definitely ask a question along the lines of what does it mean to be a culture fit here in an interview? Yeah, I agree. And I think the second question also showed that you were thinking about what you can do to be successful in the position. Um, It's very forward thinking, and I think employers would appreciate that. You could also ask probably, who do you think would be an ideal candidate for this position and how do I compare? Yeah, I mean, I really like that question, Lucy, because it's, well, first off, it's direct. And if you didn't give them a strong answer, they could say, oh, we really like you, but, you know, you didn't answer very well in this specific area. And it gives them time to kind of highlight areas your weekend. And then you can use that time to then give them another response that's stronger than the previous answer you gave them. And it kind of shows that you can take feedback well and you're quick on your feet. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's one of a really important question as well that's worth asking. And that would be based on our conversation today, is there any hesitancy in hiring me? Um, it's a big question. And I think it's, it's a really valuable one. Yes, yeah, so it's a big and scary question. But I think it's worth saying. What do you think, Vinay? Um, I would say judge the situation and ask only if you feel it sounds appropriate in that situation. This is a great question because, as Julia mentioned, it gives you the opportunity to directly address anything that's holding them back from hiring you. But this is a big one. A lot of interviewers don't like giving instant feedback. Often, it's not because they're not prepared for it. It's often because they need to kind of go over their notes in full and see and just evaluate all your answers in a lot more detail. But if you think the conversation was quite positive, it's always, and if you think the interviewer would be comfortable with that kind of question, always ask that question because it almost gives you a second chance in answering some of the questions that you perhaps did not do too well in. Yeah, I agree. I think probably just reading the person that you're going to be asking and see if they would be comfortable. I mean, would you guys feel comfortable if someone asked you this question? I don't mind this question personally, but again, it depends on the stage of the process as well and what kind of position I'm hiring for. So it's a yes and no from me. There are situations where I would feel that that's a bit inappropriate, but again, read the room, read how the conversation went. And if you think you did really well, it can also be detrimental as well, because obviously what you do ask can also change your employer's perception of you. So there are some positives in that because obviously it looks like, you know, you're a candidate that asks for instant feedback, which is always good, but read the room and see if you think it will go well if you ask that question. It is a big, scary question, isn't it? I think. And I think it will throw a lot of people, um, employers off, but I think that's something that you kind of have to do sometimes to work out if it's for you. I do like questions when I get when I get thrown off guard. So I do like that. And it's always a good thing, provided it's appropriate. But it's definitely good because obviously it shows that it's an intelligent question and it's always a great way to kind of impress an interviewer. Because most interviewers have pretty much been asked any almost any question that you can possibly think of. But this is a good one. 
Yeah, and I think it shows that you're a bit of a risk taker as well. It shows you have that confidence, which I think a lot of candidates might might not portray during an interview. Um, so it can really pull pull maybe a bad interview back with that question. Yeah, I agree. I mean, regardless of the questions that you ask, um, the important thing is you ask them. Please, please, if you appreciate our podcast, please don't go into an interview and not ask questions because I'll, I'll know and I'll find you. All right. So now that we have done our before interviews, during interviews, let's talk about the after interview stage. The fundamental thing is send a thank you email. After you've done your interview, there's nothing like sending a follow-up email, just appreciating someone's time and obviously thanking someone for the opportunity. It can really help kind of boost your image, um, especially say if your interview didn't go 100% well and it shows you have that kind of personable aspect as well. This, uh, that's actually a really good point because if you thought the situation didn't warrant that question uh, that we mentioned about how you did during the interview and the hesitancy in hiring you, you can always ask that question in a follow-up or you could potentially kind of reword your answer or if, you, if there was a particular answer that you thought you could have done better in, you can always include that in your follow-up email. You can always say something along the lines of, I just remembered a few more things that I would have liked to add to your question on XYZ and then just include those bullet points. But don't do that for more than one or two questions because you don't want to send them a an email with attachments to all your answers reworded. But you can do that with one or two and you can probably get away with it. So that's a really good tip there, Lucy. Yeah, I think it's definitely like to whoever's listening to this podcast, make sure that you really take that on board. Very, It takes about five minutes to do, but it really kind of leaves like a long lasting effect on, on your image. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are both right. It is it is such a small step, but it can really set you apart from the rest of the candidates applying for the role. Lastly, let's talk about what you would do if you don't get the job. What is your advice for people who did everything we just said, but still didn't get the offer for the job or the position that they were applying for? Less than 3% of applications actually end up in an interview. So just by getting into an interview, you've done better than 97% of the applicants who applied for that same job. So that's a huge bonus. That's a huge tick. And obviously, if you know, not everyone gets every interviews that they've attended and it's all, it's not always a positive outcome. So take some time out, get your emotions in place. After any rejections, you are likely to have many different emotions and therefore we encourage you to take some time out and allow you to process your feelings. Don't take it personally because it's not a personal rejection. It's just that you are not the right fit for that particular role. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people take rejection really badly and it's completely understandable, but don't take it as in, you know, I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. Actually, the employers really need to weigh a lot of considerations and it might just mean that your your skills and attributes just aren't, you know, the ones that match the role. And, you know, you'll always find that with a lot of jobs that, you know, you were rejected from, actually then a few further down the line, you fall into your perfect job. And that's because of obviously the previous employers didn't think that you would just be suitable for that role. It does not mean that you're a bad candidate and you weren't appreciated. Definitely don't take it to heart too much um, and don't let it knock you back as well for future interviews. And just make sure that you you understand that you're not alone. Um, rejection is really common. The best thing you can do is just reach out to others and just keep pushing and don't let it knock you back. Yeah, I agree. I think... One of the things I used to tell myself when I 
received some type of rejection, whether it was from like an internship or a job. And then a little bit later, I got I accepted a role somewhere else. It was like a quote by Steve Jobs. And I actually said this in an interview once, but it's mostly just talking about how you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. So you have to like trust that the dots will align somehow in your future. Once I think that's something to kind of keep in mind when you get a rejection is, yes, this really hurts. Yes, uh, my emotions all over the place. No, it isn't against me and my skills. But I have to trust that, as Lucy said, it's going to fall forward and things will work out. So if listen to motivational videos, I do that a lot if I'm ever feeling down. So if that helps, do it. And again, another point is maybe also thinking about what you could have done differently in my interview. When you get rejected, go and treat yourself to something you really enjoy, whether it's like your favorite cake or something. Just do something that makes you feel better. Um, don't punish yourself because it's just such a natural thing to happen. And the worst thing you can do is really dwell on it and punish yourself and kind of get into a hole where you don't want to go back into an interview situation. The best thing you can do is just rise above it and, and keep going. I think uh, both of you have made some really, really good points. I think, again, just about falling forward. Um, if you felt like you were a bit shaky with your presentation skills, perhaps just make a mental note of it. And I know it's difficult to kind of take yourself back to that situation, but it gives you the opportunity to kind of work on some of your weaknesses. So if you were asked to do a presentation and you feel that that's what kind of ultimately led to you getting that rejection, look into ways that you can work on your presentation skills. See if you can get a few friends together and you can present to them before your next interview. Another great thing to do, I would add, is just ask for feedback. Interviewers, these are people that that probably had an ideal candidate in mind, ask them at the end of the process, you know, was there something that I could have done better? And then obviously try and take those things away and see how you can treat that as, as constructive criticism and work on those areas. Um, where I talked about presentation skills and falling forward, the same idea applies to answering interview questions. Uh, write down some of the questions that you struggle with and do some research into how you may improve those and respond in a similar situation in the future. By doing this, you will create a stronger response that you can call upon in your next interview. Let's, let's just be clear, you know, everybody gets reject, uh, rejected at some stage in their life when it comes to jobs and interviews. So a really good example is someone like Jack Ma, who's the founder of Alibaba. If you just read into his story, it just shows incredible resilience. And he was someone that got rejected all the way up until in his mid or mid-20s, I believe. I think a really good example was where he applied at KFC, and I believe there was about 26 vacancies and 27 people applied, and he was the only person that didn't get the job. Obviously, if you search Alibaba on Google, you'll know who he is, and it just shows that, as Julia said, you know, it's easy to connect the dots looking back. Jack Ma, I'm sure, would have appreciated that rejection now. Yeah, or like Oprah Winfrey. She got re- like fired from her anchor job when she was like 23, and they, well, not fired, she got demoted when she was 23 to where she was doing news kind of casting and they demoted her to a position where she had to do like kind of casual news and then she turned out to be really good at it and eventually it led to her creating the Oprah Winfrey type of whole network and TV network and obviously she still talks about that how she never probably would have discovered what she was good at if she hadn't been demoted so all right so kind of going into our last final things I have another dilemma for you guys it pretty much says Hi, I have a situation that I'm in need of help with, so I will go straight into it. I am a recent graduate. I have been applying for a lot of graduate roles, but unfortunately, I have been getting rejected left and right. 
I do have experience in retail. I worked at a student union. I'm a part of student organizations. I have been volunteering at a local charity shop and I've helped manage some of their finances. I'm interested in getting into the financial sector, but I'm not sure what I can do to help me get noticed or to even land a job offer. Do you have any advice you could give me? I'm going to go in with the quite obvious advice, obviously, to anyone who's listening to us is do an internship. <laughs> I mean, I know Vinay is going to agree with me, but if even a part-time internship, so you can really work it around, you can be flexible, you can do 20 hours a week, that will really, really help boost your job applications. And it will really like show that you've, you know, you've got dedication, you've got the kind of enthusiasm to to get yourself into the market by really kind of approaching these these internships and taking it on obviously in your spare time that's my personal advice for you i agree with lucy i think an internship is a great way for you to learn what's like to work in the financial sector a lot of the candidates really like the appeal of working in an investment bank or even a retail bank or any other kind of financial institution but often once they go in they realize that it's not for them so an internship could be a great way for you to see if you'd like it and also a lot of the employers today do hire on the back of their internship program so it's a great way to kind of get your foot through the door and then onto a graduate scheme so internship base it's very hard to go wrong with an internship and it's something that we obviously highly recommend doing. The other things, you know, if you are struggling to get an internship in the financial sector, there are other areas which might be slightly easier to break into, but we, where you can still build up relevant transferable skills. So most kind of financial roles will require really good number skills. So potentially going down to your local accountant or ask your parents if they're an accountant. I get your parents to ask their accountant if they, you can go in, even if it's just an afternoon a week, you know, however long you can afford to do, go into your accountant's office and just do some basic bookkeeping. If you haven't studied a maths business or accounting degree, it's potentially an area to look into. So doing some basic bookkeeping, understanding how a balance sheet works, how a cash flow statement works, how to do valuations, etc. Quite important skills. You can get that from an accounting firm. So ask your parents to help them. The other thing is obviously ask friends and family if they know someone and obviously if they can help you. The other thing that we are huge fans of here are at Capital Placement are to kind of apply to smaller firms, not necessarily uh, large institutions which have very large graduate schemes. Look into some of the smaller firms. They might not necessarily advertise a vacancy. Try sending a really good tailored cover letter along with your CV to the managing director or the founder of that firm explaining why you want to work there. And you'll be quite surprised how many of them will come back to you. I agree. And also touching up on that, if you don't have kind of an accounting or finance related degree, there are so many online courses that you can do. A lot of these are free as well. So just have a look, explore kind of what the best courses are to do that are associated with this role. And you'll be quite surprised at actually how many are really accessible um, and it shows it's great on your CV and every employer will be really kind of impressed with with the courses that you can take in your spare time. So I would definitely um, approach that situation. Absolutely. I think there's nothing like seeing a candidate that has realised that they might not necessarily have the skills and have gone out of their way to kind of pick up those skills. So that's a really great way to kind of show a prospective employer that you're motivated to go into that industry. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things I need to kind of acknowledge before doing an internship is that just the idea of an internship. I know um, as a graduate, there's kind of a stigma that you need to get a job in an internship. Um, and I, I think by 
saying, okay, yes, but I'm not landing any job offers. I'm going to do a paid internship to help me get these roles. And like Vinay said, a lot of employers tend to hire off of internships. So though it doesn't look like your typical way into getting a job, I think taking an internship, as you said, maybe at a smaller firm, doing additional classes, like Lucy said, and doing other things to help you build that experience and become more relevant through an internship can get you to that job offer. So I'd say first acknowledge that an internship is good and then go into everything else that you guys were saying. Oh, and before we go, I have I have another joke for you guys. <laughs> oh, please tell me, Julia. I am waiting for this one. I'm ready for this. I'm ready. <clears throat> what sound does a witch's car make? Broom, broom. <laughs> I, can't yeah. believe, I can't believe I got that one. <laughs> that was, I feel broom, like- broom. <laughs> researching the jokes like in his spare time <laughs> things are a bit too quick to me, but there we go <laughs> uh yeah no i basically found a page of a bunch of jokes and i'm going there's 70 of them so you guys are in for a week <laughs> oh dear lord 70 jokes <laughs> i can't believe i got that one. Oh my god julia i am coming down to your standards <laughs> and i use that word down very specifically <laughs> you can't make yourself laugh then what are you doing you need to love yourself first it's we're talking about self-love here <laughs> word up <laughs> and that is it for this episode guys as i mentioned before if you like this episode uh leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms that we have and also send us a message through our social media you can also email us our email is called the career growth podcast at capital-placement.com and we will read your dilemmas on here and get you some good feedback Thank you guys for listening to us. I look forward to the next episode. That's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a review and subscribe. Do you know someone who is ready to launch out and get started on their career? Share this podcast. You can connect with us more on social media at the Career Growth Podcast. See you in the next episode.